Now we give a warm welcome to everyone to evening worship today, both to those in the church here and to those who are joining with us online. Let's begin our worship by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 25, the first verse. It's page 231 of the Psalter, and it's at the beginning of the song. To thee I lift my soul, O Lord, I trust in thee. My God, let me not be ashamed, nor foes triumph o'er me. Let none that wait on thee be put to shame at all. But those that without cause transgress, let shame upon them fall. We'll sing verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 25. To thee I lift my soul. join together in prayer. Let's pray. O Lord our God, help us to listen to the words of these songs as we sing them. It tells us clearly that salvation is of the Lord. And we pray that we would remember that because um, we can torture ourselves so often with our own failures and not that we want to justify or excuse or condone sin in any way but the reality is the battle goes on every single day and it is exceedingly fierce at times but at the end of the day salvation is of grace it is a gift and we pray that we would remember that as the song says 
that we live expectantly on the every single day. We must come to the throne of grace afresh each and every day. And part of that journey is to come in confession and in repentance. But we thank you that the enormity of the grace that is in Christ is sufficient to cover the enormity of our sins. We pray that we would remember that in the opening words of the song that uh, what we are engaged in this night is a soul activity. To thee I lift my soul. O Lord, I trust in thee. And we are defective. And we can pretend so often to others around us. We can pretend to ourselves. And uh, folly of folly. We try to pretend to you at times. We go through the outward ritual. And there's no heart in it. There's no soul in it. And we ask you to forgive us uh, for those occasions. We pray that this night as we gather here that you would be in our midst and you would enable us to sing and to pray and to read and to listen and to preach in a way that would redound to the honour and the glory of uh, your name we pray that we would look around this world that we find ourselves in and that we would be thankful for what we have because at the end of the day we have so many things to give thanks for. We think of the carnage in the Ukraine just now. We think of what would appear to be many children taken from homes and relocated into Russia. We think of the anguish, the terrible agony that's uh, caused there. We think of the people of Greece coming to terms with the real disaster we think of Turkey and Syria and indeed many other situations around the globe where people are absolutely devastated. Our prayer is that <clears throat> where there are people in positions of power and influence who are abusing that power and influence that you would bring them to naught and that you would raise up people that would honour your name. And we pray in particular in our own nation at this time, whatever our political uh, affiliations might be, we pray that you'd watch over Kate and you would protect her and Ali and the family in the midst of the storm that they find themselves in. May we remember that David of old against all the odds prevailed ultimately he prevailed because he trusted in you but ultimately he prevailed because of you and we pray that we would trust in you each and every day as the song says and we pray that as um, we come to the end of another day of our earthly sojourn that we would um, that we would know your nearness, know your imminence. Sometimes you seem so far away. And we know why you're far away or you seem to be far away. You shun those who uh, sin against you. 
That's the bottom line. And, and we pray that you would um, not only give us the grace of forgiveness, but that you would give us the resilience and the strength to resist the devil. Because your promise is that if we do that, he will flee from us. But we cannot resist him in our own strength. But may we do it in, uh, in your strength. And we pray once again for our loved ones. We thank you for family circles. Our prayer is that we will be together not just in this world, but in the world beyond this one. We remember our congregational family this night, and we think of many who would be here if they could, but who cannot, even of office bearers and indeed retired ministers. We pray, Lord, that they would know a portion of the blessing that we seek for ourselves this night. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise from the same song, Psalm 25, page 231 of the Psalter. It's at verse 6. Thy tender mercies, Lord, I pray thee to remember, and loving kindnesses, for they have been of old forever. My sins and faults of youth do thou, O Lord, forget. After thy mercy think on me, and for thy goodness great. Verses 6 to 10 of Psalm 25, thy tender mercies, Lord. word first of all as we find it in the book of Exodus and at chapter 12 we'll read at the beginning of the chapter the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt 
This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts. And you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven out of your houses, for if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day you shall hold a holy assembly, and on the seventh day a holy assembly. No work shall be done on those days, but what everyone needs to eat, that alone may be prepared by you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this very day I brought your hosts out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as a statute forever. In the first month, from the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven is to be found in your houses. If anyone eats what is leavened, that person will be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a sojourner or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwelling places you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning.
for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and you will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a statue for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised you, you as he has promised, you shall keep his, this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of uh, Israel in Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so, as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. At midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go serve the Lord as you have said. Take your flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The Egyptians were urgent with the people to send them out of the land in haste, for they said, We shall all be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading bowls being bound up in their cloaks on their shoulders. The people of Israel had also done as Moses told them, for they had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold jewellery and for clothing. And the Lord had given the people favour in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they let them have what they asked. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. And the people of Israel journey from Rameses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. A mixed multitude also went up with them, and very much livestock, both flocks and herds. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough that they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared any provisions for themselves. The time that the people of Israel lived in Egypt was 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, on that very day, all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It was a night of uh, watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all the people of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the statute of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No foreigner or hired servant may eat of it. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. If a stranger shall sojourn with you and would keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. 
then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. All the people of Israel did just as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day the Lord brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt by their hosts. And we'll read also in um, Matthew's Gospel and at chapter 25. Matthew's Gospel at chapter 25, reading at verse um, Matthew 25 and at verse I think that should actually be 31 Ian I'm sorry uh, uh, it should actually be verse 31 when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him then he will sit on his glorious throne before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right but the goats on the left then the king will say to those on his right come you are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world I was hungry and you give me food I was thirsty and you give me drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? And uh, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you give me no food. I was thirsty, and you give me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they said, not during the feast, 
lest there be an uproar among the people. Now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him thirty pieces of silver. And from that moment he sought an opportunity to betray him. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where would you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, said, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now after they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Amen, and may God bless to us these readings from his word. Let's join together again in prayer. O Lord, our God, we pray that as we turn to explore your word again this evening, that you would have mercy upon us and that you would come in with us, that you would open our eyes and our understandings, that we might glean from the word we have entered into this week. And uh, there will be battles and phrase for every single one of us who believe in you, because this is um, the theater of spiritual warfare. And we need to be armed with your word, and we need you by our side, and we pray that you would help us, that you would have mercy upon us. And wherever uh, your church is gathered around the world this day, that you would indeed be in the midst uh, to bless. Remember our loved ones 
wherever they might be, have mercy on us all. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing again to God's praise. This time it's in Psalm number 61. Psalm number 61, that's page 293 of the Psalter. It's at the beginning of the song. O God, give ear unto my cry, and to my prayer attend. From the utmost corner of the land my cry to thee I'll send. What time my heart is overwhelmed and in perplexity, do thou me lead unto the rock that higher is than I. Verses 1 to 5. O God, give ear unto my cry.
Now let's turn to the passage we've read in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 26. And um, we'll read at the beginning of the chapter, When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be uh, crucified. Now let's, by God's enabling, seek to explore something of this area of Scripture. We're continuing with the Easter theme, and we're reminding ourselves that uh, the Easter events happened 1,990 years ago uh, in the city and on the outskirts of uh, Jerusalem. And these events occurred during the great religious Jewish festival known as uh, the Passover. And we want uh, to explore a little bit uh, of the Passover uh, this evening. Now, for us in our culture and society, Easter is at a different time each and every year. It's not at a different time for the Jewish people. The reason for that is we use a solar calendar. The Jews used a lunar calendar. And that's why the discrepancy comes in. And that's why um, Easter shifts around, at least the date of it, uh, each year for us in our, uh, in our calendar. But we are reminded here that it's Passover a, a time and I want us to go back um, and we want to look this evening at specific requirements for the Passover lamb and we want to see how they fit in so meticulously with what happened in the experience of Jesus of Nazareth. I think I've said on more than one occasion recently from this pulpit that it is a phenomenon of scripture that from the very beginning to the very end it all dovetails so beautifully. It, the Bible was written over a period of one and a half thousand years by 40 different writers and yet the whole theme is, is, it holds together and I said the major themes there are three major themes God is holy we are sinners God has bridged the gap God has reconciled sinners to him that's the whole theme of scripture from the beginning to end but of course it goes into it in a much greater depth and uh, detail than that so what we're going to be looking at tonight is the Passover now it's interesting that at the time of the Passover, which happened as far as I understand 1446 years ago, although there is another date presented of 1275 BC, um, and I've listened and read up on the arguments for both, and I think uh, it's, it's 1446 BC that the Passover happens. Remember that the children of Israel became slaves eventually whilst they were down in Egypt for several centuries but God listens to their plight and God responds to their crying out to him and that itself we must 
remember because God's covenant people did not have it easy down in Egypt and in the midst of their severe difficulties they cried heavenwards and heaven listened and heaven responded and nothing has changed in that regard because God's people will not have it easy in any day, age or generation there will be struggles and there will be immense struggles but we have to remember that the God of heaven listens and the God of heaven responds he may not respond in the way that we expect him to respond and he may not respond at the time we expect him to respond that's why you get the psalmist saying I waited patiently for the Lord my God and if you go back to the original language that word waited is there twice it would literally be this I waited waiting for the Lord uh, for the Lord my God but you know the story of Egypt and remember it was the superpower of the day and the most important man in the world was Pharaoh and not only was Pharaoh a man but he claimed that he was a god he claimed divinity it's not just Jesus of Nazareth who claimed divinity in this world in fact you can go into our prison system today and in particular you can go into the American prison system and you will get many people who think they're Jesus and many people who think they're God there's nothing at all new about this and way back um, three and a half thousand years ago in Egypt the Pharaoh claimed, uh, claimed divinity and really what's happening is there is a clash between the most powerful man in the world and the one God the God of the Bible Yahweh who is also called the Almighty God and when he describes himself as the Almighty he means what he says he always does and there is nothing so ridiculous and full of folly as a human being taking on the eternal God because there's only ever going to be one winner you know sometimes during these frosty nights I don't know if you saw the the northern lights uh, not terribly long ago but I saw the most spectacular uh, display of the northern lights on a Sunday evening I think it was a fortnight tonight if my memory serves me correctly uh, I think the most spectacular display of the northern lights that I have ever seen but if you look up into the sky on a clear night and you see all these stars and there are billions of them billions upon billions of them and you begin to think about this being who created them all by the word of his power he gives the command and they come into being now I know he forms and fashions them over a period of time but he is the great creator uh, God and there is something that happens to our minds when, when we stop and ponder and consider it's almost as if a shiver goes down our spine and it's almost as if our minds are like butter in an oven that just, they just melt away they cannot cope with the enormity of it all 
And that's why scripture talks about the awesomeness of God. And you know it is very very easy for us to, to take things for granted. And just think well that's just the way it is. And that's the way it is every single day. And that's the way it's been all my life. And to kind of. You know it's a case of familiarity breeding contempt. We should not allow familiarity to breed contempt and we in particular should not allow a kind of familiarity with God to to diminish our sense of awe uh, before him. But uh, there is this man Pharaoh and there's this covenant people that have been in Israel for over four in, in, in Egypt for over 400 years and the eternal almighty God has decided they're coming out and the most powerful man in the world is saying no they're not now we understand why he doesn't want to lose them he's got a slave labor force and they're building brand new cities for him and it's hardly costing them anything they're slaves we understand at least at one level where he is coming from but he is being defiant of God now let's remember this Egypt at the time was full of idolatry and full of godlessness and you know this is the way with God God allows a situation to go on for a certain length of time and then even with God God says enough is enough you get it in the days of Noah where the, you know, remember how the days of Noah are described. The thoughts of the imaginations of the heart of man were only evil continually. Now that's a build up of language to describe that their thoughts, they were evil, but they were only evil, and they were only evil continually. And God says, right, that's enough. He draws a line and he says, no further and you know that is the way it is with every human being as far as God is concerned God, we, we, I mean, here we are in the land of the living and here we are in the, the place of opportunity but we will not always be in the land of the living nor will we always be in the place of opportunity if we continue to reject God God says enough is enough and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And that passage of scripture is talking about falling into the hands of God in judgment. We've just been reading about those who fall into the hands of God in terms of judgment. It is a fearful, it is a fearful thing. And so the clash goes on between the most powerful man in the world and the eternal God and there are these ten plagues and every time Pharaoh he changes his mind no 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 they're not going until ultimately we come to the final devastating plague where the firstborn in every home and the firstborn of all stock and flocks and cattle will, will die unless of course they listen to what God is saying and they do God's bidding and what was God's bidding God's bidding was for this Passover lamb to be taken and killed and some of the blood 
from the Passover lamb to be put on the doorposts, both doorposts, and on the lintel of the door. And when God sees that home and sees the blood, he knows there has been obedience in this home. And so the angel of death will actually pass over the home. That's where the whole idea comes from. That's where the whole name uh, comes from. Now, you can imagine some Egyptians looking on at the Jews painting, or at least taking a bit of hyssop and sprinkling it in the basin of blood and then putting it on the door and they're thinking what on earth are they doing what, what, what's, what's it all about what's the logic of it and, and, and they're saying look we are doing what God has commanded us to do we don't need to know the nitty gritty we don't need to know everything that's going on in fact, they, they, what, what is an angel? To fully grasp and understand what an angel... And what was the angel of death? They probably had some idea, but they didn't fully grasp it. The key is this. They are doing what God commanded them to do. And that's what spared the life of the firstborn in the, uh, the home. But I want us to look at some of the things uh, that come up way back there in Exodus and at chapter 12 regarding this uh, Passover lamb and the first thing that we notice in Exodus 12 and at verse 5 is this that it had to be a lamb your lamb now that's interesting because when John the Baptist at the outset of Jesus' ministry, after he baptised Jesus, remember, Jesus comes to John the Baptist and he wants to be baptised and John the Baptist sees him in the queue and he says, John is totally shocked and he's saying, there is no way in the world I am baptising you. And we understand John's predicament because it's a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. In other words, it's sinners who are to be baptized. That's the glory of the gospel. He came to wash away the sins of sinners. But for 30 years, John the Baptist has known Jesus of Nazareth. Not fully, not fully. But he's known him. And he knows enough about him to know that he's along the lines of holy, harmless, undefiled and separate from sinners. So there's no way in the world I'm going to baptize you. And Jesus says, just do it. Just do it. And we're asking Jesus, but why? And the answer, of course, is this. He does have sin to deal with. It's not his sin, but it's your sin and it's my sin. If we are believers in him, that is the glory of the gospel. But you remember what John the Baptist says about him. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Now, to a Jewish mind, there is no way that Lamb would come up without thinking along the lines of Passover Lamb. Now there were other lambs that were used for other sacrifices. Indeed there were bulls and there were pigeons and there were various animals that could be sacrificed. But for the Passover it had to be a lamb. Now we think in terms of a lamb being the young of a sheep. But in actual fact it could be the young of a sheep or the young of a goat. It could be either or. But uh, it had to be had to be a lamb. 
Now it's very interesting. This lamb had to be kept, it was chosen on the tenth day, it had to be kept with the family for four days, and then it had to be slaughtered. I remember when Mike Moore was with Christian, what was then Christian Witness to Israel, and he came uh, to stay with us when he was up on this preaching tour, and we at that time had some pet lambs. Um, each year then we would rear a few pet lambs, keep them in the garden, and uh, if the door of the house was ever opened, the lambs were in. So we are always trying to keep the door of the house closed. I remember one day, I don't know whether it was Sarah or Amy, but they found one of the lambs in one of our showers. They, they, the, the lambs, if the doors were open, they were in. And uh, Mike Moore and I were sitting in the sitting room of, uh, of the house, and this lamb came traipsing in, and... Uh, and he was agog with it. He'd never seen a lamb. And he was, he was so taken with it. But the thing that he started thinking about was this. The, the lamb was a beautiful white creature. And they're not sinners. And, and, and he was thinking, oh, how on earth could you take that and just slaughter it? And... Um, you know, I don't know for those of you who are working with sheep and whatnot, but we, when I was brought up in the farm in the West, there, there were always pet lambs. There were always pet lambs. We never, ever would butcher a pet lamb for, our, for ourselves. We would never do that. We just couldn't do that. Now, at the end of the day, every lamb is going to be butchered in some shape or form. But, but the problem is this. You, you, you get a bond with these animals. These are innocent creatures and you get a bond with them. That was, that's what happened with these uh, people. They had to have them around the house for these four days. And even if it was just for four days, you get an attachment with them. And it's driving at this whole idea, here is innocence. And innocence is going to be slaughtered. And that's what uh, it was all about. It was, it was to be a lamb. But here's the second thing, and it's in the very same verse, uh, verse uh, 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. Now here we are in this day and age of, of mixed up thinking in so, so many ways. It's almost as if the Bible was written for this particular generation. God made them male and female. And the moment we try to disrupt that, and the moment we try to change that, and the moment we try to warp that, we run into all kinds of problems. And we as a nation in the world today should know more about that than any other nation on the face of the globe. It is hard to believe that this nation that was once known as the nation of the book has been so to the fore in the political agenda of wokedom that we are where we are. We hope things are going to change. But if we listen to what God has to say, his message is the same in the 21st century as it was from the very beginning. He made them male and he made them female. 
And it is interesting that the saviour of the world is male. And it is interesting that the pronouns that are used of God in scripture are male. We try to change these things at our peril. We will get ourselves into all kinds of buracks if we try to change that. In fact, we have tried to change that as a nation. And that's why we're in the burakh that we are in. But the lamb was to be, uh, the Passover lamb was to be a male. But there's this third thing. It's there in uh, verse 5 as well. It was to be unblemished. You couldn't take the the lame or the or the wounded or or the poor of the flock and um, and use it as the as the passover as the passover lamb you had to take a lamb that had no blemishes whatsoever now you can imagine that sometimes some people would take a shortcut oh, that'll, that'll be good enough for god well if we want to know the blessing of god we don't approach of that kind of attitude you'll remember with Abel and Cain we don't read that Cain gave of his very best to God but we do read that Abel gave of his very best he he took of the flocks of the fat thereof and he gave them he gave it to God and his worship was accepted whilst Cain's was rejected if we want to be accepted by God and we want to know the blessings of God we listen to what God says and we fall in line and give him the obedience and the sacrifices that he requires of of us but it had to be it had to be unblemished but then there's this fourth thing, and we've got it in verse 46 of uh, this particular uh, uh, chapter. This is what we read. It shall be eaten in one house. You shall not take any of the flesh outside the house, and you shall not break any of its bones. Now these things were spelt out one and a half thousand years almost before Jesus was in this world no broken bones let me just read uh, something in uh, in john's gospel regarding what happened in the easter story with uh, with with jesus it's in chapter 19 of john's gospel and it's at verse uh, 31 since it was the day of preparation and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with them. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his, um, his legs. You know, way back in the time of David, a thousand years before Christ was crucified, we read in Psalm 34, He carefully his bones doth keep whatever can befall, that not so much as one of them can broken be at all. You know how I started this sermon about how from the beginning to the end the Bible has this theme and this Togetherness and it all dovetails so, so beautifully. At the crucifixion scene, 
there was pressure on the execution squad to get everything over and done with by six o'clock in the evening because the next day was an important day in the Jewish calendar. And that is why they hurry up the deaths of these two thieves. And the way that they would hurry up the death of these men was to break their legs and uh, they would die very quickly after the support of that the legs could afford when that was gone they would die quickly after it to their surprise Jesus was already dead and just to prove that he was dead a soldier plunges a spear into his side and forthwith there came out blood and water but not a bone of Jesus of Nazareth was broken and as far as being unblemished was concerned you know there were many people who give their verdict on Jesus you know Peter could say my Lord and my God and I'm quite sure John would say the same as well and you might well say well they were his friends what would you expect them to say okay let's just leave the friends aside and let's listen to some of the enemies of Jesus Pontius Pilate said it again and again and again I don't think this man has done anything wrong King Herod said the same he never sent Jesus back to Pilate with any kind of accusation pinned on him nothing nothing at all and then you come to an incredibly sad figure Judas Iscariot he takes his 30 silver I don't know what he was going to do with his 30 silver coins but he had his plans but his conscience kicks in and he takes these 30 silver coins and he goes back to the church leadership of the day and he says I have sinned and I have betrayed innocent blood everywhere you look the innocence of Jesus is is underscored and reiterated and you go to Paul's letter to the Corinthians and what does Paul say Christ your Passover has been sacrificed here is this lamb and the lamb reminds us of, of innocence it's a male it's unblemished and not a bone of his body is broken and these things cover many centuries many centuries it reminds us of this the God that, that Pharaoh decided to take on three and a half thousand years ago was victorious at the end of the day and this victorious almighty God is sits on his throne and and everything everything is gathered in and is fitting to his great eternal plan and what is his plan his plan is a plan of Passover that's what it is what does that mean well it means for you and I if we believe in him the blood of Christ is shed on the doorposts on the lintel of of our hearts and we shall never taste of the second death 
which is eternal death. And that is the glory of the gospel. We shall have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. We shall have to experience what is physical death. But even that causes us to end up in a situation where it's far, far better. This is the glorious message of our Passover who has been sacrificed for us. May we bow afresh in worship and in adoration of the great Passover Lamb of God. Amen. Let's pray. O Lord our God, we thank you for this astonishing plan of redemption. We thank you that we are part of it. It is not down to us, it is down to your sheer grace. And sometimes we wonder, why did you include us in it? But there are no answers to many questions. But may we just bask afresh in the glory of it. And all we ask is in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's conclude by singing to God's praise in Psalm number 23. It's uh, found on page 229 of the Psalter. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. My soul he doth restore again, and me to walk doth make within the paths of righteousness. Even for his own name's sake, we'll sing the whole song to God's praise. The Lord's my shepherd.
grace, mercy, and peace from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest on and abide with each one, both now and forevermore. Amen.